action. Welcome to Torn Stumps, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcasts at Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk. And Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we went to the movies this season. We watched all of Xavier Dolan's films that are available to us on Blu-ray and or streaming services. <laughs> you sound like an air hostess. <laughs> and it was really good fun watching them. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. always really good to watch and see how a an artist, not just filmmakers, but any sort of creative person develops from their first tentative steps to their big masterpieces and whatever they do after the, you know, the seemingly peak, let's say. Yeah. Where do you think uh, his peak is? I don't think he's necessarily peaked. I, I really don't. But I think we've, I think we've noticed the end of maybe his first period you look at Kubrick's films and you can definitely see that there's these these definitive periods you've got the early black and white films before Spartacus then you've got the oddity that is Spartacus then you've got the two black and white films at the start of the 60s then when he gets to 2001 it's like nothing he's ever done before and he has that amazing decade run 2001 clockwork orange barry Lyndon, and the shining and then you've got his later films mm. and i think with xavier dolan you've got his first three films i killed my mother heartbeats lawrence anyways they form almost like a a, a, a little trilogy not necessarily in in related characters because it's not but definitely in style mm-hmm. and then when you get to tom at the farm it's like a complete departure. He's just gone down like a little slip road, or, but, like off the main carriageway. On into the farm. But I yeah. still love Tom at the farm. Yeah, then, yeah. But then Mummy is like another departure as well from Tom at the farm. And then It's Only the End of the World is maybe we'll look back and say that's the beginning of the lean years. Yeah. Well, I mean, he just turned 30. Yes. And he's done those six films and then John F. Donovan, which obviously hasn't been released yet. And so and this new one. So he's done eight films in, yeah, so in he's, 10 years. We've basically just watched his entire 20s uh, catalogue. Yes, know, we have. Yeah. We've, we've seen him progress through his 20s. And mm-hmm. now, you know, when you hit 30, you maybe start to think about things a bit differently. You start to look yeah, at Yeah, I know life. I did. Yeah, you just see life differently. He's enjoyed a certain amount of success. He doesn't necessarily have anything to prove. Mm. Um, and, and except for maybe if he would like to work in English language cinema. Which he's, he has which done. He has done, but I mean, it still hasn't come out and it was yeah. made, it was completed, what, two years ago? Yeah, it was, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, you know, who 30s Xavier Dolan is because your 20s are very much about reflecting on or i mean 20s are about partying right it's like it's embracing your your newfound freedom yeah and but then it also reflecting slightly on what the fuck is going on you know what is your life i didn't feel that way until i hit 30 oh really yeah no no no, not at all like the 20s was i mean looking back you can only say this in hindsight i think 20s was me maybe trying to find yeah. my place, maybe thinking I'd found my place. Uh-huh. But then when you hit 30 and you, something clicks in your head, you realize like, I've not got anything sorted. <laughs> so the last six years has been about me, you know, 
you know, putting flags down and, yeah. and, and realizing that maybe that was the wrong flag to put down. So then I have to move that flag and then move that flag. I think that 20s often are, you almost feel like you're on a treadmill and you're, you're trying to find your place in the world and you're constantly discovering things. Yes. And I think that is definitely reflected in Xavier Dolan's um, movies where he is making a mark and he's looking for his identity in the films. He's exploring different visual ideas. Mm. He's, he's obviously processing a lot of stuff about family because yeah. he will, everything's about family. Everything to him is about family because every he, single film, that's the, that's the strand. That isn't is, it? that is the theme, you know, no matter what, even if it is, um, it's only the end of the world. That, yeah. that is maybe the purest thing about family because there's nothing else really happening yeah. in that film. <laughs> it's just family. It's just a family and there's nothing happening. Yeah. But maybe the other thing about your 20s is you have this energy and it's this cracker jack kind of spark and, and relentless energy that I think you can pour into creative endeavors yes. without necessarily knowing exactly what you're doing. I'm not saying it's, that it's that's... It's like a blissful ignorance. Yeah, you're just doing, doing, doing. Yeah. But then in your 20s, you know, it's maybe a bit takes longer to put your face on in the morning. In your 30s, you mean? In your 30s. Yeah. What did I say? 40s? 20s. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm already, see, I'm, I'm edging towards 40s, so I'm not, <laughs> I have no fucking idea what's well, going be on. i before you. <laughs> but yeah, in your 30s, maybe, you do then, you lose that, that crazy fire kind of energy and you start to think more with your head. I don't know. That's kind of I don't know if me. you... Well, I don't know. I haven't lost any of my like creative fire mm. i just know how to prioritize better yeah yeah and be more realistic with it yeah i wonder if xavier dolan is starting to wonder or think about you know he's got he's got this almost perfect little six film um box set yeah which is about family and motherhood and it's great that it has such great representation in terms of um, homosexual characters their experiences young you know young gay men and not necessarily young young gay women actually but definitely young gay men and their experiences but then maybe he's thinking now what is the next decade about what you know now that i've talked about um young gay lives and said a lot of stuff about motherhood and families what is next maybe that's maybe that was the issue with it's only the end of the world maybe he'd Maybe he thought he had some things still left to say, but he realized he just had nothing I think the well left is, to say. I think that well is dry. You know, he, that film, I, it's very telling when you know what a character is going to be before you've seen the film. Yeah. And I knew that mother character. I knew who she was before I had sat down and watched the film because that is, that's become a trope now. It's become yeah. a Xavier Dolan trope. Mm-hmm. He can't have a you know talkative yelling mother character he just can't do that now because he's done it six times pretty yeah. much even when Anne what's her face shows up in heartbeats as nicholas's mother yeah and suddenly she's this even though she's dropping some money off that to her is displaying love mm. she's this cold talkative chain smoking like um battle axe <laughs> yeah yeah, which isn't a nice phrase, but it no, does but that, sum up that his what, portrayal of women. A yeah, long that time. is. I mean, that, is that how he views his mother? Because it's all about what I pick up from this. It's all about him dealing with the issues that he has with his mum and the relationship that they have. And, and I know it's been frosty at times, and he says it's better now. Yeah, 
Um, but it's interesting that he never really does... He's never really done anything about fatherhood. There is a complete lack of fathers. There is. There's a, a, a except black in, hole. Yeah, well, except in I Killed My Mother. But he's very absent and he shows up to make a decision that Hubert did not like. Yeah. It was his decision to send him off to boarding school. And then in uh, Mummy, you get that potential father figure, which is a lawyer that yes. she tries to rope in to help sort out yeah. the finances. And he is... And Steve rejects him he's from the get-go. Yeah, immediately. So it would be interesting to see him tackle fatherhood, but then yeah, make he's a film always called daddy. <laughs> Daddy's home, <laughs> but he's doesn't. He only ever draws from his own experiences, which is what the best creatives do. So mm. I don't know if he would have anything to say about fatherhood unless or he became no, a father. He's not ready himself. to talk about it yet. No, maybe not. Maybe not. But I think the mother thing is is over. The family thing yeah. is over. So what what do you see as his his future? Well, it's interesting that his next film, Matthias and Maxime, is, I think he's just finished shooting it. And it's a return to a more obviously gay storytelling mm-hmm. for Xavier Dolan. And he's talked about how there, it's, it's about these two friends who are the title characters. And they have to kiss for a short film that they're making. Okay. And they, um, that kiss makes them realize that maybe they have deeper feelings for each other and they might actually be gay. And so it's exploring. Oh, it's that. two straight actors. Two, two supposedly straight gay men. Uh, gay. One of them, one of <laughs> yeah. them played by him. Yeah, one of them played right. by him. The other one played by uh, Harris Dickinson from Beach Rats. Oh, of course. Which obviously is just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that that is his next film because it looks like him returning to gay cinema purposefully yeah. and wanting to do that. He's talked about how inspired he's been by Call Me By Your Name and Beach Rats and uh, Moonlight and all the, the great uh, God's Own Country, the, all the, the great, that swell of gay cinema that we've had in the last and few years. underline the G, it's all about gays. We had the education yeah. of Cameron Post, or the miseducation of yeah. Cameron Post. Poe Post? I haven't Post. seen it yet, but it's, it's weird that, I mean... I think the marketing, unfortunately, buried that film because yeah. they tried to tag it onto the same kind of style as Call Me By Your Name, the writing. It was terrible, that poster. Yeah. It was awful. I haven't it? seen the film, but... It's a decent film. Yeah, but it, it just seems that when people talk about queer cinema, what they actually mean is gay cinema. Yeah. Because the four films there are gay films. Yes. They're about men. Yeah, true. But that is his experience. Like He is a gay yes, man, so true, I, yes. I feel like you know we've had that discussion about yeah representation of your own voice and stuff but yeah so is, is mac does matthias and maxime does that represent him looking at sexuality in a new way or i don't know like he's talked about wanting to look at homosexuality as a as a grown-up yes. you know he he's 30 he's 30 now <laughs> yeah he is now 30 he isn't he's a grown-up so he's explored he, like previously he explored homosexuality when he was much closer to the age of the characters that he was portraying. So yes, like I early twenties, teenagers. I killed my mother when he wasn't, the character wasn't out to his mother. Yeah. So there was a secretive about it. Then there's heartbeats, which is very much about a gay man falling in love with a, a supposedly straight, possibly giving off some sort of bi or gay vibes. Yeah. So it's an obsession film. Yeah. And obviously, um, Tom at the farm, which is, probably the most sexual of mm. the lot yeah that's true actually is matthias and maxime a reflection on how society is looking at sexuality so differently even to 
going back 10 years ago to when Xavier Dolan made I Kill My Mother, it was, you know, now, we, now we're talking about sexuality as much more of a fluid thing and, yeah. and something that isn't set in stone, um, which is something that I think Xavier Dolan has always championed and thought about, but maybe now he's reflecting on it in a different way. And there's more, there's more space for these conversations now in film, I think. He seems to have stronger ties to the English-speaking film world, especially Hollywood. He's in It too. Yeah. He was just in Boy Erased, which although indie, but it's indie out of the Hollywood system. Oh, yeah, he was in Boy Erased. Yeah, yeah. and he was in Bad Isn't... Times at the El Royale, oh, which, is, yeah. which is really good fun. I really want to see that. It's really good fun. Amazing. Um, but he's in it very briefly, and he's... he's exceptionally good i mean he's a brilliant brilliant actor mm. i don't think people give him enough credit he's always spoken about in the terms of canadian filmmaker but he's an exceptionally good actor yeah and i love how he talks about the difference between acting and directing yeah he says um when you're acting you're letting something out and when you're directing you're absorbing everything which yeah, i think is I can, I can kind of yeah i can kind of believe that yeah but i wonder if is he the sort of person that could suddenly be hired to do the Star Wars film or the Marvel film or something like Neil Gaiman's Sandman, that adaptation? He's very cerebral. Yeah. He's a very internal thinking filmmaker. So is he able to... Like, if he was given such a big budget and a big... IP, let's say, would he end up making something that's considered a failure like David Lynch's Dune? Yeah. Or would he end up making something like The Last Jedi, which is probably the most cerebral of all the Star Wars films? Mm. Yeah, I just feel like with, I don't really know, but I just, with Xavier Dolan, I feel like he makes a film when the mood takes him or he makes a film about how he's feeling at that time. So it would have, to, he would have to be sent a script and he would have to choose that script himself, obviously um, based on what he wants to do. I just don't know if anyone would actually, you know, you see so many directors who are plucked from the indie world. Yeah. And then like be- Josh, uh, Josh Trask or whatever his name is. The guy. Jo- that yeah. Did- yeah. Yeah. What was that film he did with Dane Fantastic DeHaan? Fantastic Four. <laughs> no, no, before that. The, uh, oh, um, Chronicle. Chronicle. So he did Chronicle and then he got given the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And then there's the guy who made Mama. Oh, then also It, Andre Muschietti. Did you do It as well? I think he did. I'm yeah, sure. he did It. But yeah. he. But these are people who have clearly found a way to make it work. Yeah. Ryan Johnson did Brick, The Brothers Bloom, then Looper. Yeah which is almost like an indie film in the studios on a studio level. And then Star Wars. Yeah. I feel like those people are people who are very diplomatic yeah. and they want to, they want to play the With game. With other people. Yeah. Because yeah. that, was, that was the point I was going to make. He, Xavier Dolan seems to be about him, not in a selfish way, but in a creative way, in a sense of he has all... You know, he has final cut. It is about him. There doesn't seem to be that many people that, A, he, he's willing to collaborate with. He keeps working with the same people. Mm. And also, why should he give up his con- creative control? These are his films. So yeah. if he then suddenly has to go work for Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm, 
is it going to end badly? Is he going to suddenly be cast aside like Lord and Miller and Colin Trevorrow? Is he going to be fucked yeah. over like um, Gareth Edwards? Yeah. I think, when I think of Xavier Dolan in that sense, I think about Lynn Ramsey, who we obviously yes, we discussed with her. the lovely bones. Yes. Yeah. And also with Jane Got a Gun, which she walked off. Um, you know, people like that who are very vocal about what they want to make they're very they have very specific visions and they're not going to compromise and they they want to make the best film they can within their set criteria and if you are a producer and you're worried about money and you're going to start trying to push the director around Xavier Dolan is going to bite back yeah and I you know I can I can understand because it's not necessarily about being pushed around I think it's about credibility not wanting to do something that Will tarnish your name so i'm i'm yeah. very much i'll only pull out a photo or i'll only be happy to have my name associated with work that i feel is up to a certain standard mm. i'm i'm happy you know there's work out there of mine that i think has been interfered too much so my name's not on it i just don't ask for my credit mm. i'm happy that it gets put out with no credit mm. but the stuff that i'm happy with it's it's got my name on it because i'm happy with it I wouldn't want my name associated with shit work. And I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, even though, so Xavier Dolan, his love, his, the films that he loves are the big, you know, mainstream films like Titanic and Mrs. Doubtfire and Home Alone. Yeah. And things like that. And I just don't think that, I just don't know if he would be able to make really mainstream stuff because his visions his vision is so specific and so mm. indie yeah you know even though he he starts to use bigger name songs like the dido's white flag and oasis um and changes style ever so slightly yeah but like I, mummy if mummy wasn't in that one one ratio it probably might have found a more crossover audience because it's yeah. such a great drama at its heart and it doesn't have all the artistic bells and whistles that the other ones have and yeah. i love those bells and whistles yeah i wonder if that's the reason also that it didn't end up getting nominated for an oscar because it was it was um canada did was it shortlisted yeah canada tried to you know submit it as their yeah. release for the year and it just didn't even get shortlisted who gives a fuck about the academy no i know but I, well, actually you know i imagine xavier dolan does care well i just read an interview with him where he when uh, I Killed My Mother came out, I think someone was saying in the interview, like, oh, were you really upset that you weren't nominated for an Oscar for this <laughs> film? And he was like, um, Michael Haneke is nominated this year and A Prophet is nominated this year. I, this is my first <laughs> film. I don't think that I need to be nominated yet. Yeah. But he's obviously, he says that he would like to be at some point down the line. Mm. Um, he's good enough. You know, oh, 100%. If Mommy isn't nominated, what is? Because that is such a if great Heartbeat film. Wasn't, Heartbeat yeah. wasn't nominated. Yeah. Heartbeat is something different. Heartbeat is Nick. <laughs> Heartbeat. <Yeah. laughs> I used to love that show. It's pure yeah. Sunday night shite. The interesting thing, though, is that as much as we know that Xavier Dolan has a very specific vision and he's not afraid to let you know what it is, he does actually apparently read a lot of his critical um, notices. Yes. And he says that he does actually take them on board, which I think is amazing. Like he said that he, you know, when he read some early reviews, he said, oh, I guess there was too much music and too many useless characters in Lawrence anyways. Yeah, okay, I'll take that. And it's like, yeah, interesting. So you, you're you not just 
stamping your o'toole mark on things and saying yeah. it's perfect i'm done i'm moving on now darling <laughs> like he actually is looking to learn and grow yeah. as, a, as a filmmaker i think as a, as a as a any creative you have to be humble enough to know that other people might know better i can't be objective about my work i can only be subjective i can try and be objective but i do need a, f- a pair of fresh eyes and i have my my peeps i have my people that i go to when i i need advice i'm sure you do yeah. too you have people who proofread your work and then tell you where you're shit and tell you where you've done good yeah i just wonder if xavier dolan has somebody that he could that he trusts enough that would tell him those things i assume he does I hope, well i, I you know I, hopefully i imagine he does but i have I'm, I'm paraphrasing here i have heard him say that when he reads a bad review because his films are so personal he feels that it's a personal attack and i wonder if there's a danger in having that mindset yeah and that might be a maturity thing as well i don't know but but maybe also the volume like even though his films are small ish independent films yeah. People, people are still watching and reviewing his films a lot consistently. Mm. So it's not just the fact that people might not say kind things. It's also the fact that there are so many people talking about him that you must feel a little bit under attack. Um, but to take it to heart so much is... But it's because they are such personal films and you can feel how personal they are. Yeah. He's not just making you know, a random sci-fi fantasy thing. Yeah. He is writing anecdotally and directing anecdotally and he you can tell that he really puts his heart and soul into his films did you get any bad reviews on your books oh yeah like i've read did you give a shit yeah at first it was like you just kicked out my back teeth <laughs> but i actually... heard that saying before <laughs> <laughs> i just made it up no i i think you can tell i i do try to read most people who actually are kind enough to review my stuff yeah um because i think yeah you might have some good points and you can often tell within the first few lines if what they are saying in a bad review is going to be constructive and useful or if they just want to troll and vent so do you do you take on board i mean obviously it must feel shit to get a bad review but do you actually go oh actually that person's definitely got a point yeah absolutely yeah, and course. you then make a, a a conscious effort to keep that in your mind when you're writing the next one. Um, I think that yeah, like when I when I wrote my first book, Sentinel, someone wrote a really awful, horrible review. But one of their weird, sorry about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> one of one of their weird criteria was that there wasn't a character in the book in a wheelchair, and I I was like, yeah, okay, there, I'll take that. There isn't a character in the wheelchair in the book. Yeah. Um, and even though that review was actually really quite nasty and it didn't really make a lot of sense, it did really make me reconsider representation in my books. And so... They're I all tried. in wheelchairs now. Now they're all in wheelchairs <laughs> and they all live on the moon. Did you put a wheelchair user in? I didn't, but I... De- but I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I identified there was no wheelchair users. That's, that's the message here I identified, <laughs> but then I didn't write any in. Yeah. But it did, it did make me think, okay, I need to think about representation in my books. Because I didn't realise that was something that I was responsible for, necessarily. Well, you're a white man writing from a place of so-called privilege. That's what yeah. we, we keep being told. And we're not all, you know, it's not binary. We're not all just the white man. Mm. You know, yeah. I am Jewish. I am gay. I am more of a minority than I am, than I am a majority. Mm. I'm a majority because of all minorities added up. Yeah. It's just 
there's nowadays there's such controversy around what you're allowed to write as the person that you are yeah and actually one of my friends who's a writer in america he asked me he wanted to write a story set in england oh yeah you were talking about yeah, i remember you saying yeah, yeah and he and he said have i ever told the story on the podcast no not on the podcast no oh, okay. carry on it's a good story well he just said i really want to write a story in based in the uk but what what would you call an african-american in the uk and i said oh well just black that's how they identify it they would call themselves yeah. black and he said oh Oh, I'm not going to write it, actually, because I don't feel comfortable using that word. And it was really bizarre. <laughs> so strange. Because people... people Second-guessing themselves because they think people are going to be offended. Like accusing them of racism. Yeah, and I don't think yeah. you can... I don't think you can go through life like that. I don't think you yeah. can let it restrict your creativity. But do you think that's why Xavier Dolan's only really made films about white people? Because that's what he knows. That's his, and that's he doesn't want to up. write about... Um, you know, a black person. He does write about a trans person. He's clearly not trans. Mm, he did use a, a black actor in the Adele video that he shot. Hello. 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 And he he cast that guy because Adele actually said to him, around the time before they shot the video, they were choosing who was going to be the ex-boyfriend of the, in her video. Did he pick like a really hot white guy? She went, <laughs> no, you got to have a black guy. <laughs> Well, yes. <laughs> really? She said that it's it's the climate in London right now is that there are lots of stabbings. There's lots of prejudice against yeah. black people in London. We need to cast a black guy as my love interest in the video. And they did. So that's a great step for representation. And Hello from <coughs> the other side. That, that, video, the one? that video has been watched like a billion times. Something a billion? Like, it's ridiculous how many times that video has been viewed on YouTube. I'm not the biggest... I like her. It's just her music does nothing for me. Hello. <laughs> Where's she gone? <laughs> she was just here. It's had 14 million views. 14? 14 million. Well, it's not a billion, is it? No, wait. Hang on a minute. No, it's had 14 million likes and it's had 2.5 billion views. 2.5 billion? Yeah. I don't think there's that many people on the internet. People love Adele. And Xavier Dolan. Yeah. Let's talk about the Xavier Dolan grammar. Okay. So let's really get into it now because <laughs> there's so much grammar yeah. across the entire films. Obviously, we've got slow-mo. That's, that's uh, like a hallmark of his. Yeah. Um, characters walking away from the camera. Or yeah, you following, following, following cameras. Down. Yeah. Mummy issues. Lots of mummy stuff. Abstract surrealist aside. Yeah. I love that stuff so much. Yeah. Um, amazing music. Hipster music Hipster. And, and also classical music, and, he, yeah. and it doesn't jar. It really, really works well. Yeah, close-ups like intense, shallow focus close-ups. Yeah, um, does um, un unfulfilled desire is one of them. So like they both love Nicholas in heartbeats. Tom yes. Tom loves the guy in, on the what well, love, but he's kind of infatuated with the guy on the farm. No, he's in, um, he's infatuated with the guy who died, and that was kind of. No, but Almost. there's a weird sexual thing going on with him and the brother as well. Yeah, well, maybe he's displaced his affection for the for his dead boyfriend onto the brother. Yeah, well, he's one of... he couldn't get it. He couldn't get that affection fully from from Guy, <laughs> so he's had to get it from Francis. Okay, yeah. Well, Francis represents the big Xavier Dolan thing, which is that he's only ever attracted to unattainable heterosexual men. Like that's, he said, he's admitted to that. I've got a friend that. who's just like that. We're he all just, like that, aren't we? He can't, he just can't acknowledge that this is what he does. He only ever says, 
like, oh, I saw, really, you know, I really fancy this guy and he's straight. I, I, I saw Thingy today and he's really hot. He's really straight. straight. <laughs> it's just like, you just only like straight guys. It's, yeah. it's never going to happen. It's self-hate. It's like a form of self-hatred. It's, yeah, it's like, um, it's like um, what's his face? Paul Bettany in the Da Vinci Code just constantly whipping himself. <laughs> flagellating. Yeah, flagellating. Um, what is that frames, as well, though? What, flagellating? No, but is it because you don't actually want a real relationship? You want a fantasy boyfriend? Maybe you can't deal with the reality of having an actual. Maybe it's an human. internalized gay hatred thing. You, velvet, you really, shame. yeah, the velvet rage, yeah, and the shame and all that. He frames characters in the middle of the frame, like Wes Anderson. Yeah, but I, even when he's shooting in like like uh, one thirty five one or sixteen by nine, his characters are still in the middle. And if he was to reduce it to a one one or a four by three ratio nothing would be lost from the framing. <laughs> They'd still be there. Yeah. Ah. So it's almost like he always wants to do that, but they're always in the middle. Yeah. The sex scenes, they're never gratuitous. They're very sensual. They're very joyous. Uh, yeah, and often with fantastic music. Yeah, so you have the sex scene in I Killed My Mother, which is like a almost like a, a time-lapse yeah. sped up, and it's very... It's very artistic, just shot from above. Then you've got the, the colour casts of the blues and the greens in Heartbeats. Those... <laughs> do, you want, do you want some, a moment alone there, Rob? <laughs> what, some what? Do you want a moment alone? <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me! You just glazed, your eyes have glazed. <laughs> I just think it's a very interesting way to, to present sex because the, the cliche thing to do would just be have people fucking like in a, a Paul Verhoeven movie. Yeah. But here he's actually turning it into an art piece it's like a, a dance it's it's choreographed and it's yeah. and it's uh it's using color in a way to represent what the sex means to the characters mm. so in it's only the end of the world and he's remembering the flashback of the having sex with the guy with the long hair yeah it's all very warm tones it's very you know whimsical and it was um, like a, it was like a scene out of a Stephen King adaptation or something like a Laura Bon Jovi video or yeah, something but it's like very that. romantic and yeah. like rose tinted glasses. It was so sexy. <laughs> it was yeah, but I mean, it, it could have been just you know bums and dicks and this that and the other, which is also but it welcome. Wasn't. It's welcome, but it's not. It's just interesting that he doesn't present sex like that, and he never it's really like, shows naked bodies. No, not really. He's never had a, a bare ass in his films. No, but why? But why? 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 Why do you need one? No, I know. I if agree. If it's not gonna, no. if it's not gonna add anything to the story, no, I totally the narrative agree. and the characters. Why? Why include but he, it? But he strips his character da- characters down in so many other ways that it's interesting that he doesn't do it in a clothing sense. Yeah, his characters always say. But in regards to oh. smoking, I'll quit on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. And they also say, C'est spécial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. How'd you say it? C'est spécial. And I also really noticed that the French Canadian accent is so completely different to actual native French. I can't tell the difference. Like Only they, when they speak English can I realise that there is something going on there. Oh, right. Well, because in it French... It sounds quite guttural, almost like yeah. South African. And they curl things. Like, in French, you say un deux. And in French Canadian, they say un deux. Un deux. It's like a country version of French. Well, look, I, I had a drink with a Canadian friend the other week, and he said that the even the language, there is quite there's quite a vast 
different. Mm. So if someone who grew up in Quebec speaking their version of French went to Paris, there would be language issues. Well, you know that Mummy, when it showed at Cannes, they had to show it with French subtitles because Die has such a strong um, accent yeah. in French Canadian that they actually couldn't understand her in France. Oh my God. So. Imagine having double like French and English subtitles on a film, on a film that's already won one. <laughs> I think we'll, put them on the side. <laughs> put them on the side. Yeah. <laughs> like Chinese or Japanese. Yeah. Just down in a row. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Okay, well done. Okay, okay. Let's talk about which visuals really stand out for you. The clothes flying in the air with that new era um, song by, oh, I forgot what they're called, Montano, Montara, mm-hmm. in uh, Lawrence Anyways, beautiful, love it. Yes. The the popcorn, is it popcorn or is it cotton wool in Heartbeats? Oh, yeah, like marshmallows or something? Yeah, something, something yeah it's flying. marshmallows because they, um, they heat them on the, the campsite, then like he puts it in Francis's mouth, doesn't he? Francis's? Francis, yeah, Francis. That's Xavier Jolien's character, oh, Francis. Right. He also used the name later in Tom at the Farm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, obviously the bit with Pierre, which I just, uh, is my idea of heaven. Which just bit? Just like that Pierre bit in... Um, it's oh, the it's on the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. The umbrella hug, the reassuring like, put yeah, the umbrella so over, the, beautiful. over him at the end of uh, Heartbeats. Yeah. Just a really sweet way to say we're friends again. We're good. Yeah. I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. And the Pollock painting, time lapse in... I killed my mother. Yeah, yeah. The snow in Lawrence anyways. The snow? Yes, yeah, so snow coming down and then it's almost like blocking everything out. It's just a wash of oh, snow. Oh, yeah. The extreme close-ups in Tom at the Farm when the old woman is losing her shit. Oh, God, yeah. That's... Why didn't he talk to me? And the image How of How does the... he die? <laughs> and that before that, you get the, the, the cameras looking up out of the box as they're looking inside. It's like they're looking into a coffin. Yes. Very, very clever. Yes. Yeah. Um, in my notes, I've just got Fred, wet, poetry. <laughs> what film is that? In Lawrence Anyways, when she's reading the poetry, it's like one of the surrealist oh, yeah. aside. And the room has just been bombarded with like a waterfall indoors. Yeah. I really hope that Matthias and Maxime goes back to that expressionist, surrealist yeah. imagery. Because it's so beautiful. And no one, no one really is doing that, I don't think, at the moment. Well, that's his thing. That's his thing. He needs to do it again. Yeah, he should He should really run with it. Go back. Anytime anyone's in slow-mo in this film. Yeah. Oh, actually, even in uh, in Mommy, when he's spinning around on the trolley, it's just beautiful. Or when she's walking through the party in Heartbeat and it goes from slow-mo and then just goes normal speed in yeah. one continuous shot. Yeah. Really gorgeous. And when the frame opens up in Mommy, it's just yes. mind-blowing. Fred entering the party and Lawrence anyways. That crazy 1980s style oh, video. yeah, with her back exposed. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like... And Xavier Dolan's like, hello, briefly. Yeah, with a cigarette. But it yeah. reminded me of the Ultravox video for Vienna. It made me think of the, the masquerade ball in uh, Labyrinth. The ending to Lawrence always with all the wind when she comes out the bar because she's furious. Mm. Actually, I lie. There is somebody else doing that sort of visual stuff. Who? And it's Sebastian, what's his face? The director of A Fantastic Woman. That oh. has great surrealist flurry. I gave you to for Christmas and you still haven't watched it, have you, Rob? No, I've been watching Xavier Dolan films. And watch I watched it. I watched a couple of films and then I was watching Mad Men and I watched all of Breaking Bad again. And then the Star Wars trailer all over again. <laughs> now we're watching Our Planet. Oh, I'm watching Our Planet. It's... The Walrus. 
The walrus. The pilot. walrus with the penguins. Oh my <laughs> god! I was when he was chasing him. I was on the edge of my bed. I no, wasn't that was the, on the uh, that was the whales. No, it was the walrus, the seal, the seal lion. Maybe I haven't got up to the walrus yet. The sea lion was chasing the penguin, and the penguins were jumping out the water. Oh yeah, it, you know, it used more energy, but it was quicker. Have you seen episode two yet? Then I'm halfway through. Oh, okay. We'll get ready for the walruses. It's heartbreaking. I don't know how they fucking do that because it's just how do they make me care about a character they haven't even named? It's the <laughs> penguins walk, or that little flamingo with like the the salt encrusted oh on its my little legs. God, it's just, I just nearly died. Oh, it's just it's heartbreaking. But like at least watching an Xavier Dolan film. <laughs> it's like watching Mummy all over again. Oh, right. Let's move on to the quiz before I cry. Oh no. <laughs> so how closely were you paying attention? I was, the thing, I had to read a lot when I was watching these films, so I'm, I'm not, I may not have picked up oh, on Oh, because of the subtitles. Yes. <laughs> I just thought you maybe were like reading books at the same time. No. Question one. This is from... So one question per film. Okay. Uh, so this is from um, I Killed My Mother. How long was Hubert in the video store for? 45 minutes. How do we know? Because his mother screamed, <laughs> you're in there for 45 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. Uh, in Heartbeat, what did Francis and Marie each buy nicholas for his birthday um one of them bought a a boat hat a boat hat a, boat, like a, a boater a boater yeah who bought that oh um uh marie yes and the guy bought him a beautifully ridiculous tangerine colored jumper for like 250 yeah. french canadian dollars yeah which i don't know what that translates to in <laughs> two pounds real money um in Lawrence, anyways, what year did Lawrence and Fred meet? Um, 1986. Seven. Ah, oh, so close. In Tom a la Fern, yeah, or firm, what did Francis name the calf in Tom's honor? Bitch face, uh, oh, not face, the other end, bitch ass, bitch ass, bitch ass, yeah. Oh. Um, in It's Only the End of the World. What We just skipped Mummy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why did I skip Mummy? Where's my question for Mummy? <laughs> and stop saying Mummy <laughs> like that. It's Mummy. <laughs> you can ask me a question about Mummy. I completely forgot about Mummy. I forgot to put them in the list. Um, anyway, so I'll ask my questions and you can ask me all about Mummy. My mummy. <laughs> what name did Catherine and Antoine name their child? Oh, I didn't pay attention to any of the child she stuff. spoke about it for no more than 10 minutes. I know. Uh, oh, Antoine. No, Louis. Oh, oh Louis. It's <laughs> the whole point of the scene. I, <laughs> I knew it was one of the other characters. Question. Oh, you asked me. I've got one more question, but you asked me... Um, one about mummy that you can think oh, of thanks. the top of your head. Okay. Uh, what is the name of the law that is passed that means that a... Oh, is it S14 or something? Yeah, it SC14. is. SC14. No. S14. Well done. Okay. And my final question is... When, the when fuck... is John F. Donovan <laughs> <Yes>. coming out? <laughs> <laughs> so that was all of... Xavier Dolan's films, except the ones we haven't seen because they haven't been released yet. Boo hoo. We're taking a short break. That's We're back. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking a short break. 
and we will be back soon. We are going to watch all the films of Quentin Tarantino. Can we do it? Can we do an outro in honor of Xavier Dolan? In what way? In can we say goodbye the way that Mrs. Doubtfire says goodbye at the very end of Mrs. Doubtfire? It's, yeah, you can. Yeah. I mean, I don't quite. Oh, what you want to okay. read the letter that he writes about? Yeah. No, not the whole thing. <laughs> you were like, yeah. Like, like this is, your whole life has been sort of leading up to this point. <laughs> when you saw it in 1993, you said, one day, one day I'll read this letter on a podcast. And your mind, your mind said, what's a podcast? I don't know. They haven't been invented yet, but I will. I will read it out because I do voices. Can I, can I do it at the end? Yes, you can do it at the end. Okay. Well. This is just as much your podcast as it is not yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and tune in and subscribe so you don't miss the start of Series 4 and then go and binge all our episodes so you're up to date. We fully support binging of all kinds yes. when it comes to Torn Stubbs. Tell us about it on Twitter. Yes, we're on uh, Twitter at Torn Stubbs Pod. So give us a tweet. Let us know what you've thought of all three seasons of Torn Stubbs so far. And while you're at it, go and listen to Track by Track, the Trash Music podcast. That podcast you will find at whichever podcatcher you get your podcasts at. Joshua, please give us the Mrs. Doubtfire. This is from Torn Stubbs to Xavier Dolan. This is a goodbye Mrs. Doubtfire style. If there's love, dear, those are the ties that bind, and you'll have a family in your heart forever. All my love to you, Poppet. You're going to be all right. Bye-bye. That was beautiful. Thank you. Ripping off Robin Williams. I know. We are off to the farm because it's only the end of the world and we're going to touch each other's heartbeats. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Au revoir. Au revoir.